this person, Jesus Christ, in whom we believe. And take note of that. Jesus Christ is God. But John was not there in the beginning. So the only way that John could inform us about the pre-existent Christ is that he himself was taught by another. And that is the Holy Spirit. And you and I need to recognize that. That prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. Understand that about Scripture. That prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. That man could not have sat down and penned the New Testament or have written anything that's in this Bible unless God somehow interceded and led him. So the first real determination that you have to make is simply this. Is God's word truth? If you don't think God's word is truth, throw it out. But if you want to discover God and discover Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit who works in your life, stay with it. Stay with it. For he will reveal himself to you if you desire to truly know him. In 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, he says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for, now catch the purpose of this. For teaching. Not making you feel good, but teaching you how to live the Christian life. And many Christians today, they will not even bring their Bibles to church. And if you don't bring your Bible, how are you going to discern whether this is what God is saying? You need to be able to see it with your own eyes. You need to be able to read the scriptures for yourself. Not so much what the pastor is saying, but somehow God the Holy Spirit begins to intervene and takes the written word off of the pages and begin to write them on your heart and your mind, he begins to confirm what is being said in the Word of God. It's for teaching. Not for making you feel good. Not for something for you to shout and jump and get on. It is for teaching. Go into our colleges. Go into any classroom. How many folks you see jumping up and down while they're being taught? Because teaching makes you look at yourself. Teaching deals with your presupposed thoughts. Teaching breaks down every argument in your mind about the Lord Jesus Christ. It breaks down whether or not if you can really save yourself. Teaching. And then he goes on, he says, it's for rebuking. Rebuking what? All the heresy, all the false teaching, all the things that are taught against Christ. It's for rebuking. It is to be able to say to that heretic, Stop! It is able to say to that unbeliever, Stop! is able to say to that one who will blaspheme and teach against Jesus, stop! But not only is it to tell people to stop, it's to correct the thinking. It is to correct the myths. It is to correct the heresy. It is to correct the wrong teaching. It has its purpose. And what training in righteousness? That's one of the big areas that are left off on the church because that's your behavior. That's your conduct. That you be trained how to live as a Christian. You be that, that you're able to be trained how you should function 
as a child of God rather than a child of Satan. That you are trained in righteousness. For righteousness only comes from one person, God. For a man in his own mind may see himself right or think of himself right, but the end thereof is only death. But when you get instructed through the word of God, then you receive the righteousness of God on how to live. Now, in verse 17, let's run over to it. Because in 2 Timothy, he tells you something that is important for all of us that we need to really grab hold of. In 2 Timothy 3, in verse 17, he says, so that the man of God or the person of God, if you consider yourself a person of God, if you consider yourself a a godly child, if you consider yourself as one of God's high priests, if you consider yourself as a witness for God, a workman for God, it says, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. No matter what you're doing, if you are refuting the heretic, if you are refuting a false teaching, you've been equipped if you've been in the word. If you've been in God's word and studying God's word, you're equipped. Now understand what I'm going to say. We never have to take the posture of defending Jesus Christ per se. But we do take the advantage of sharing truth about Jesus Christ. Catch the difference? I don't have to defend him because he's big enough to defend himself. But he's given me knowledge that I might be able to share truth with the gainsayer, with the ones who don't believe, the ones who have the wrong thoughts about him. I'm able to share it. John is going to speak on the subject that only God the Holy Spirit informed him on. He was given knowledge of something he knew nothing. Nothing about. Which of you were there in the beginning? What man could say he was there in the beginning? What historian could write about things from the beginning? And he says he was informed he was given knowledge of something he knew nothing of in order to tell us what about it that's the only reason to tell us about it to give us the information to correct those who speak against Jesus being God If Jesus is not God, then we are not saved. If Jesus is not God, we're following a false religion. We remove his deity and catch whenever there's something against Jesus, it's going to wind up in one of these three areas. His deity his pre-existence, his resurrection. Because if I can take any of those things from the person of Jesus, I reduce him to just a man. To just a man. And all we have left then is the man named Jesus who people have made a God of. Just like any other idol. One who we say can save us, but the reality is he cannot unless he truly is God. Unless he truly is God. 
History never argues against the person of Jesus Christ historically. Never an argument. But the argument comes in when you put God or Savior or Lord with the name Jesus. That's when the argument begins. Because people themselves will only see him as a man. And Paul speaks about it also in Corinthians. He said, we once only saw him as a what? As a man, but no longer. And the issue boils down to this. In John 1.1, he starts off with these words. In the beginning... In the beginning, before anything existed, there was Jesus. Before anything was made, there was Jesus. Some will even state he was created in order to create. That's a lie from the pits of hell. Because John will let us know if he himself was created. But he says, in the beginning, before anything existed, he was. Now that's hard for our mind to accept. Because in our mind, we give a birth to everything. Or we give a time or a date when something is made. But with Jesus... We can't do that. We cannot say when he was made, when he was created. Why? He always was. He always existed. And he says, in the beginning, before anything existed. And it's strange that the Holy Spirit through John would use the same thing in Genesis 1. In the beginning... In the beginning, before anything else, in the beginning. And it's strange that he would use that. So when you look at John, you're able to see this Jesus in a different light. And that's the purpose in which he is writing to us. And just think, all the other Gospels, John never deal with Mary, with Joseph. He doesn't deal with the birth. He deals with the pre-existence of Jesus Christ. He deals with that pre-existence. He says, in the beginning, before anything ever was, in the beginning, and in Genesis 1-1, he says, in the beginning, both start the same, in the beginning, before anything else ever existed, I exist. Before there was a heaven, I exist. Understand this. God did not create heaven for himself. He created it for you and I. God didn't, doesn't need a place to exist. He does exist. And he doesn't need a heaven to exist. He was existing far before heaven was ever created. He existed. He didn't need it. He says, in the beginning was God. In the beginning was God. And you need to understand that. In the beginning, God. And then John comes along and he says, in the beginning was the Word. Now which one is true? How do I reconcile that? That in the beginning, God. In the beginning, the Word. And John goes a little further and he says, In in the Word 
And the word was with God. And the word was with God. And the word was with God. And then John clarifies a little more. He says, he was with God in the what? Beginning. He was with God in the beginning. Now, if you read Genesis 1, where is Jesus found? Just throwing that out for right now. We're going to answer that one. But where is Jesus found? And the word was with God. John says the word was God. And he was with God when? In the beginning. Then John gives us a little bit more of a clue. He, 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 he homes us in on something else that is very important for us to begin to explore and to check out. He says in verse 3, Through him all things were what? All things were made. All things were made through him. And without him, what? Nothing was made. Whatever exists, exists because he what? Made it. Nothing exists without him. He made it. Go to Colossians 1. Colossians. Let's get there. Colossians 1. And pick up with me in verses 16 and 17. He says, For by him all things were created. Hang on to what John just said. That all things were made by who? By him. In John, he calls him the word. That all things were made by him. And nothing exists that was not made by him. In 16, Colossians says, Paul says, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. Now, here comes this other part for us to either believe or disbelieve. The visible we see, don't we? But the invisible, we don't what? We don't see. But he created both. The visible world and the invisible world. He created And he goes on and he says, Whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. Catch that again. Who is that he? He is before all things. And begin to look at how he allows us to see who this he is. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. Who do you know as the head of the body, the church? There's only one, and that's Jesus. He is, and that's how the Holy Spirit chose to describe him. He is the head of the body. The church. And it goes on. He is from the what? Beginning. Look how it agrees with John. How it agrees with Genesis 1.1. In the beginning who? God. He was from the beginning. And the firstborn from among the dead. There's that resurrection. That we can destroy his deity. That we're able to destroy his pre-existence. That we're able to destroy his resurrection. And all we have left is a man called Jesus. And Paul, through the Holy Spirit, puts it in here. And he goes on and he says, From the beginning and the firstborn, from among the dead. Now, I want you to hang in here with me some, okay? 
Colossians 1.18, it describes him in this manner. He is the head of the church. He is from the beginning. He is the firstborn from among the dead. And then in 1 Corinthians, something that is stated so true. But each in his own turn. Firstborn is nothing but a ranking. It's a position. Like one will never proceed what? Two. Or three. It's always what? One first. And the whole process is that oftentimes we want to destroy what God has built out. But the word itself will clarify. Pick up with me in verse 20 in chapter 15 for a minute. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruit. He's first to be resurrected. He's first to come forth from the grave. He's first of those who have fallen asleep. Now drop down with me in verse 23. Remember what I said? It was a ranking. It's first. Look at verse 23 now. But each in his own what? Turn. Arilla's mother this morning took her turn. That's all. None of us will miss our what? Our turn. For we will die. But we will be absent from the body and what? Amen. It's in my what? My turn. Not before. But Jesus is the first one. And he says, each person in their own turn. How many understand, Pastor Brown's going to die. Yet I am living eternally. Not after I die, but when? Right now. Why? Because Christ, the Lord Jesus, has already promised me what kind of life? Eternal life. In one sense, what he is saying to me, I will never die. Why? Death as the, is defined being separated from Jesus Christ. I am united with Christ. And because I am united with him who lives eternally, I will never die. I will never die. Because of whom I am united with. I will never die. Each in their own turn. And the word was with God in John 1.1. The word was with God. In the beginning, we don't even see Jesus. In the beginning, how do we see Jesus in Genesis 1.1? How do we see him there? He is the word that John says. He is the word. But how do I see him? In Genesis 1-1. In Genesis 1-2, it's very easy to describe the Spirit. Because it says the Spirit did what? Hovered over the waters or over this creation. In Genesis, you get that little preempt of what is taking place before it ever took place. Because the earth had to first be what? Created. In Genesis 1-3, it says, God said the word. The word. You find it in verses 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, 26. And in that 26, you find a cute little thing that says, let us. The triune God. And then the whole process, if you look at it, in all those verses, it says, God said, 
God said, God said, God said, there's the word. There's the word. Now we're not going to go into logos as the word, the verbal word, or rhema as the written word, and we could go all through all that, but it would not bring real understanding to who Jesus Christ is. Now, the thing I want you to catch is this here. Go with me in Genesis 1. Remembering what John said, nothing was made without who? Jesus Christ. Remember what Colossians says, that he created what? All things. Now, either Genesis 1 is wrong, or Scripture is confirming that Jesus Christ is God the Creator in Genesis 1. And it was created through His spoken Word. And that's why it says, and God said, God said, God said, because all He has to do is speak it, and it comes into existence. It says, God said, let there be light. After each time when God says something is developed, something takes place, something is created, something is made that was not in existence prior to him speaking. And nothing was made without him. All things were created by him. All things were created for his pleasure. He created it all. Now, either he is God here, or he is not God at all. For the scripture says, he created. John says that nothing was made without who? Without him. And yet things are being made. Where is he? He is. God said. God the word. Speaking. And it comes into existence. The name Jesus isn't written. The word itself is not written. But the only way you can conclude and come to a final conclusion that here's God in Genesis 1 creating without Jesus Christ. If that be the case, you've got to destroy John 1 and two, and you have to destroy Colossians because nothing is made without who? Without Jesus. And the only thing you can do is what John is revealing and what Paul revealed to us is that Jesus Christ was in the very beginning with God. And he was the one who created through his Spoken word. And John calls him the word. Because it's through his word things were created. Things were created. Jesus did not come into existence just at the time of New Testament. He always was. He always was. And John informs us, in the beginning, the word Jesus was with God. In the beginning. The very beginning. And all that you read about being created in Genesis has to be created through Jesus Christ. It's not the only thing you can conclude there's two creators, the Father and the Son. And the scripture makes it very clear. Only one did the creating. And that was Jesus. That was Jesus. And John takes the word and he takes Jesus and he says later on in that chapter 1 that the word became flesh. 
John takes that word and brings it all the way back to Genesis that we can know that Jesus Christ was there when? In the very beginning. Before anything was made, he was there. He was there. Nothing is made without him. And through him, all things were made. Now, some of you out there saying, that guy crazy. Because that's the thing you have to deal with. And until you settle that in your heart, Jesus is not really God. Jesus is not really God until you really understand he created you. He's the one who's given you life. He's created everything that our eyes behold visibly. He's created it. And that's hard for us to even begin to accept that concept. And that's why men have come to a point of trying to tear Jesus down as being the creator or tearing Jesus down as being God or, the, or deity to tear Jesus down because they know they are that close of wrecking your life based on what you truly believe. Now, go to Colossians 1.19. It is something to behold here, what he's going to say. He says in 119, let me get my eyes focused here. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in who? In him. In him. God was pleased to allow all that God is to dwell in this person of Jesus Christ. All that makes up God, the elements of God, the character of God, is all in this person, Jesus. That when Philip asked the question, show us the Father, and Jesus said, have not you seen me? If you've seen me, you've seen who? You've seen the Father. You've seen the Father. And that's why Satan tries to blind us to the person of Jesus Christ. Because if you don't see Jesus Christ clearly, you definitely will not see the Father. And then in Colossians 2.9, Look at what he says. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity. Remember what I said? If you can take his deity away, you reduce him only to what? A man. Not God. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. All that God is lives in this bodily form of this person called Jesus. Jesus is the fullness of God. And nothing less than God himself could save us. Nothing created by God could save us. Why? Nothing made would be as holy as God. Nothing made would be without blemish. Nothing that is made is without sin. And it took a holy, righteous God to come and clothe himself in flesh in order to save us. Nothing less. Nothing less. Then the argument comes in, well, boy, this Jesus, he isn't God. 
go to Philippians. There's not something that you have to fight for. Look at 2.7 in Philippians. But made himself nothing. He didn't have to come as a king. He didn't have to come as the richest man on earth. He didn't have to come as professor so-and-so. It said it made himself, in a sense, nothing but a servant. How many of you do I have to prove that I'm black? Do you see it? And as Melvin said, there's more attitude. Sometimes you don't want me to jump in my blackness. But guess what? I don't have to defend that I am what? An African American. I don't have to defend that. That is what I am. So when it says that Jesus didn't have to fight to be equal with God. He didn't have to grasp at the things of God and pour to himself. Why? He is God. You don't have to prove it to no one. He is. He is. God. Now it's up to you and I if we're going to what? Accept it. And he has given you, and this is the good part of my God. He's not going to force you to believe. How do I know that? He says, for as many people have done what? Rejected him. It was in the world that he created. And guess what? They received him not. God gives you every right to reject him. Why? He's giving you that thing called free will. That you can either reject or you can receive. And that's why he gives us this Bible, that we might know truth about who he is. And you need to seek it out more and more. Too many people think they're saved while they may not be saved because it does not fulfill the rest of what Scripture says. We've been misled often by men. Join the church, you'll be saved. No such thing. Come put your hand in the preacher's hand and you'll be saved. No such thing. There's only one person that can save you. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And the only reason he can save you is because he is God. He is God. Go with me to John 17.5. We're going to quickly come to a close here. John 17.5. Look what Jesus says in that prayer. And this is the real Lord's prayer here in this 17. 17. Five, he says, now, let me get my eyes focused again. One day, y'all going to be like me. Y'all going to get old, too. And he says, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world, what? Yeah. Yeah. Put me back, Lord, into that position that I was with you before anything was ever what? Created. 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 He says that more for our benefit than for his. Because he already knew who he was and he knew where he was what? Going. He knew he was God. And he knew his glory before time. 
but in this flesh. He's teaching us to long for something. Not so much in our pre-existence, but I long to be with who? The Father. The Father. And he says, glorify me. Give me the glory I had. Why? Here on earth, I didn't receive that what? I didn't receive that glory, that honor. But see, in that position, there was no contest. There was no thought. That glory that was mine with you. Now go over to verse 24 in that same chapter. Because scripture tells us God is love and that's all God is. He loves us enough that he allows us to run away from him rather than being drawn to him. When somebody loves somebody, they don't make somebody stay with them. It's the love that draws them. It's the love that compels them. That's why Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my what? Because it's based on what? A love relationship. And in that verse 24, he makes this statement. 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. We really haven't seen his what? But he wants us to really be able to see his what? Catch this now. His true self. His true self. His true self outside of the flesh in a sense. He wants us to see his glory. The glory you have given me. Why? Because you love me. Before when? Back to the beginning again. Before creation. Before anything was made. This love. Go to Isaiah 66, 1. Isaiah 66, 1. If you go through this whole chapter, you'll just see Jesus all the way through. And he says, Shout with joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praises glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. Sing to the glory of God. And look at that verse 5 now. Come and see what God has what? Has done. How awesome his works in man's behalf. How awesome is his works? How awesome is his creation? How awesome is the things that he has made? And it's speaking of Jesus Christ all the way through. And the process is to see him in all that he is. Now, over to Psalms 33, 6, as we conclude. Psalms 33, 6. If I, if I go back up to verse 4, it says, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all his and all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. Now catch this. By the word of the Lord were heavens what? Made. The starry host by breath of his mouth. And it goes on and talks about the water and the creation. Why is it 
that the sun doesn't drop. All of us believe in gravity, don't we? But it doesn't drop. Why is it that when we look at up at the moon, it's not falling down? Why is it that when you look at the stars, they're not falling down? And we all know the rule of gravity. If you take something up, it must what? God has a rule for this hemisphere that is different for that hemisphere above. And Job says, God created this world, and guess what? How many of you ever played with a yo-yo? A yo-yo always has a what on it? A string. And Job said, God made this world and hung it out on happy. And Colossians says, all things are held together because of whose word? Christ. He said, son, stay there. Moon, Stay there. Stars, stay there. And they are not affected by gravity. All because of his word. Jesus Christ was there in the beginning. The beginning of creation. And Jesus Christ was God. And that's what we're wrestling with. Is how can this Jesus, this man, be God? And the only book that can really explain that is the Bible. That's why the Lord says that it's for teaching is for rebuking, is for correcting that the person of God might be correct when he answers from Scripture about God. The more the Scriptures you know, the more you can answer correctly to any issue that confronts Jesus Christ. You don't have to defend him because he is. But you give witness to the truth of what he has said. Amen? I hope everyone in this room know him as Savior. I hope every one of you know him as a God that will heal you. And I hope that you really know he is a God who can deliver you from whatever situation in life you find yourself in. Why? Because he's God. He's God. And he's the only one who can. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word and that your word confirms your word and that, Lord, as we dig into your word, may you continue to just uncover your truths that your people may be able to speak against the gainsayer and that as your Holy Spirit instructs us, that, Lord, we're able to go to the word of God and declare what is truth. Don't have to fight for the truth. Really don't have to argue about the truth. All we have to do is declare what is truth. 
because truth will always stand, because truth proceedeth from the Lord Jesus Christ. For he is truth. For he came unto us in the fullness of grace and truth that we might truly know him personally. And Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. That Lord, we don't have to convict no one of what truth really is. We don't have to convict anyone about them being a sinner. All we have to do is declare the truth. And the Holy Spirit will take that truth as a two-edged sword and he will cut into the heart of that individual. Lord, may you take your word today and somehow, Lord, anchor it into our souls, into our minds, into our hearts of who Jesus Christ truly is. Let us not rob him of his deity. Let us not rob him of his pre-existence. Let us not rob him, O God, as being the firstborn of the resurrection. But may we uphold these truths that others might truly discover that Jesus is God. That Jesus is God. May you minister to us. May what has been said in verses that have been written down, may they go home and read them again. And may your Holy Spirit speak. May the voice of Pastor Brown be forgotten. And that your people might hear the Holy Spirit speak to them about who Jesus is. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name.